You know, sometimes I wake up and I feel just like kick-ass. I'm like ready to go. It's going to be a good day. I know what I have to do. I don't have anything I'm stressing about. I've got energy. I'm just ready. And then other times you wake up and you're just like over it immediately. Like you haven't even gotten over the the grogginess and the whatever and the, you know, hating mornings and you're just done. You're maybe you're sad, maybe you're like a little angry, just like dissatisfied. There's there's a lot of negative feelings going on. And you know, that's probably because you just woke up from an infinite domain with limitless possibilities where you can live however and do whatever you want. And that's what dreaming is, man. It's it's something that allows us to escape the mundane, everyday, just drag of life that life can sometimes be. Hi. Welcome. Thanks for tuning in. You know, I hate doing all this like self-promotion stuff, but I hear people do it. So like, this is peace of mind. I'm Dan, Yul Smith, with an H in the middle. Tell people about it. If you like it, tell your mom, or your dad, or anyone, your, your family, friends. Don't. Just, I don't care. You know. Anyways, that's over with. Fun fact. Your body, in all of its glory and wonder, contains the largest library in the known universe. What does that mean? What? What? Books in my body? No. Your adaptive immune system, which is responsible for protecting you from biological threats each and every day. Every time you, you open up a cut, you know, sneeze on someone, inhale germs, whatever it is, your adaptive immune system is pouncing on those invaders. It has an entry for every current, past, and future enemy that your body could face. Even things that haven't even evolved yet, even things that could come from outer space, your adaptive immune system contains the tools and information to fight those diseases. Every single disease ever that will be can be fought by your body. The only distinction is whether it has enough time to do it. A lot of times the body dies off before that adaptive immune system can put in all the work, you know, do all the research. Research does take time. It's not an instant fix, but it's there. The potential is there. So we're literally built to fend off any bio... Like, that's crazy, right? That's why most diseases that you get can only manifest themselves like once in your body because after that first time... Those librarians are ready. They have that shit in the locked and loaded folder ready to fire off if this thing ever tries to come back. It's like, we had you once before. You are not coming back here, right? That's your immune system. And what's interesting about it is it develops and then decreases. So around midlife is when it's at its strongest. But then when you get older and when you're younger, it's a little weaker. So that's why diseases strike a little harder at those times. But yeah, I just wanted to share that because, you know, sometimes we think, ah, you know, oh, my body hates me. I suck. I have IBS. Everything, nothing agrees with me. Dude, your adaptive immune system thinks that you're awesome enough to literally know everything about every biological threat in the known universe. So chew on that, right? Chew on that. Okay, so that being said, um, I'm going to talk about dreaming, sort of. 
I think. I thought I was, and it turned into something. But a little bit of God, consciousness, hoodoo, whatnot, sprinkled in there. So it might be a two-parter. But um, yeah, I hope you enjoy. Give it a listen. Take a break. Don't try to do the whole thing at once. I know you won't. You can't. I couldn't. Just um, I hope you learned something. Thank you. Dreams. Dreams are something that everybody has every single night. Even if you don't remember them, you wake up and you go through all that morning funk and you don't remember anything about the night before. And that's very normal. However, it's not the only way to be. If you're anything like me or people I've spoken to, you probably don't put a lot of thought into your dreams. You probably go to bed with either the necessity of having to go to bed or dreading going to bed or actually being tired and excited to go to bed. Whatever the case is, I don't know anybody that goes to bed with the intent and the hope and the excitement to experience dreams or even to lucid dream in some cases. Dreaming isn't seen as something that's important to our day-to-day lives, at least now, at least in the 21st century in Western society. But what's interesting is that dreaming has been around for just about as long as humans have. I don't know much about evolutionary brain psychology science stuff um but i do know that dreaming is a fundamental aspect of human experience and whether you remember them or not you dream each night you go to bed and sometimes those dreams are one very long dream that you can kind of track through other times they are the snooze button interval dreams where you go in and out of one and then they constantly change and it's weird and it's kind of jarring and it makes you like get all anxious and fired up before you're even out of bed. But nonetheless, dreaming, it unifies us all in the sense that none of us know what the hell it's for, why we do it, what it means, if it means anything. Sometimes they're enjoyable, other times they're horrible but they happen every single night, every single night. So let's talk about it. Now, dreaming is something that everybody does, so everybody can have some sort of opinion on it or some sort of thought to share in regards to dreams. However, I want to remind you that there are a few things that our wonderfully advanced society has yet to figure out. And when I say a few, there's quite a shit ton But dreaming is one of those difficult problems for scientists and psychologists and every ist that is working on dreaming. Because dreaming at this point in time is impossible to directly perceive in another person. So someone who's trying to do a study on dreams is incapable of studying the dreams of the dreamers involved in the study. So... What that means is that we know a lot of guesses and hypotheses and and ideas, but nothing is for sure. And that's my favorite type of thing to talk about because that makes me able to sit here in my room and talk about something as if I'm an expert just because I've done it 
before. And that's what we all love in this day and age, right? Being able to feel like we know what we're talking about and be able to comment on it, even though we actually have no prior knowledge or experience in the field and listening to experts is usually the way to go. But in this case, I'm the expert. You're the expert. We're the experts because nobody knows. And that's just, oh, just amazing. So I'm going to share my thoughts and my ideas and my developing relationship with dreams and some of the experiences I've had with dreams. And this is a big, big old sandwich of a topic. Like you're, you're not going to be able to get that one bite through and through. You're going to need to go in for two bites, maybe three, to get the full layer of ingredients there, the toasted bun, the, the, the patty, all that. So this might be like one of multiple parts on dreaming. There's, oh my God, I, can't, I don't even know where to begin. There's communal dreaming. There's healing dreaming. All sorts of ancient cultures have used dreaming for predicting in ancient Rome, people who had especially um, maybe warning dreams or dreams that involved, let's say you're in ancient Rome and, and you live in Pompeii and you have a dream of a volcano erupting, one that happens to be right next door, you were actually expected by the government of Rome to report dreams of that nature because dreams have historically been attributed with having predictive properties clairvoyant properties um things of that nature which is fascinating and i bet that most people nowadays have had and will continue to have predictive dreams and this is my personal opinion because i think it's awesome you don't have to agree but i don't care um you yourself have probably had a predictive dream. It could be very small, it could be very large, but the beauty of it is that we don't remember our dreams. So think about the amount of mind-blowing predictions or thoughts or realizations you could have had from the time you were, I don't know when you started, do babies dream? I don't know, that's an interesting topic, part four. But from the time you've started dreaming and being able to wake up and understand what a dream is until now, you've had just scores and scores of dreams and you'll never remember them you don't have access to them anymore which is kind of sad but you know it's not too much different from your actual memory which is fleeting and and unreliable and honestly I bet there are some things that you remember as a child and that I remember as a child that I feel like I have a solid grasp on but it's been proven that memories are subject to change based on your interpretation so what I'm getting at here is what's the difference between a foggy dream you can't really remember and an actual memory that you have stored in your brain? I don't know. I don't know. But it's pretty crazy. So, yeah. What was I talking about? I don't remember. But um, we're going to get into dreams eventually. I promise. There's going to be a lot of buildup, I bet. But we're going to get into it. And And getting into it involves talking about a very important underlying factor in this conversation, which is consciousness, right? Right now you're conscious. You are a conscious being. Let's compare ourselves to a rock. A rock is on this earth and it sometimes serves purposes, but it's not conscious. We can we know that. We're pretty damn sure, I, I think. 
look at your cat or your dog or whatever lovely pet you have, they have some inklings of consciousness. Like you can look into their eyes and you can see their eyes looking back at you and you can maybe feel their touch and you they can share a touch with you and, and there's affection there or so maybe some sort of, you know, companionship. And, and us conscious people feel that and we're like, oh, that's pretty nice. I like connecting with other things that are also like me, conscious, right? Um, you know, you could enjoy a book, but you're not going to become like emotionally connected to the pages and like feel it and be like, oh, yeah, like you and I are, <laughs> we're cool. No. So consciousness lies at the root of the dream discussion and the main distinction is that right now I am experiencing waking consciousness. There are lots of different forms of consciousness. Being drunk, being on drugs, psychedelics, meditation has been proven to be a different form of consciousness. Um, deep, deep relaxation, all these different things that people have done throughout history to achieve different forms of consciousness. Animals do it too. Animals get drunk. Animals get high on purpose. I'm pretty sure dolphins stab their noses on blowfish on purpose or pufferfish, whatever those spiky things are, because it gives them like a psychedelic trip. Um, so consciousness and, and playing with consciousness seems to be a fundamental trait of being... Con that was a lot of consciousness as I confused myself there, so I apologize. But what I'm getting at here is that we don't know jack shit about why we're conscious. We know that we are, and we know that other things are, but there's all sorts of aspects of consciousness that cannot be replicated, that we cannot figure out. And dreaming is one of those things. So right now I'm awake and I'm conscious. I can read, I can write, I can do all these things that require logic and rationalization and such. When I'm dreaming, what's being engaged is my subconscious. The subconscious is always there it's always active but it's not necessarily working in the foreground when you are awake and then when you go to sleep which i don't remember the statistic but I'm, I'm pretty sure you spend a third of your life sleeping if you do all if you do everything right excuse me so your waking conscious and your subconscious take turns being the managers of you and your body and there's an interesting sense of separation that at least I myself assume, and I bet other people do, a sense of separation between you right now, awake, and you when you're asleep, dreaming. You're dreaming and you're in it. You're in the thick of it. You're getting chased by a dog with your mother's head, but it's backwards, and it's holding two sticks that are also on fire and that are also snakes. And all of that makes sense in the moment. But me saying it right now, it sounds crazy, and you can't even imagine having experienced that. But when you're dreaming, it's a very vivid, raw, surreal experience. So there's almost a divider between the two states of consciousness where your waking conscious cannot understand what the hell your subconscious is doing. You're like, dude, that makes no sense. And then your subconscious, when you're dreaming, imagine being in the midst of a dream maybe let's say it's a really really good one you're at utter bliss you're in your favorite place doing your favorite thing whatever that may be and then you're like oh i forgot to pay my taxes 
no, that wouldn't happen. That just wouldn't happen. Your subconscious is incapable of dealing with those things in such a literal sense. Like, oh man, I didn't, I didn't do that, or I didn't respond to this, or I didn't call my mom this week, or something. Just whatever it may be. There's a divider in what those two parts of you handle, and what's what I'm what I've learned personally, and. This is an ongoing thing that where I'm, I'm like, I see it and I'm like, I, I, that's cool, but I haven't like realized it and like applied it to my life. And what that is, is that those two aspects of you, asleep you, dreaming you and awake you are both working towards the same goal of bettering your life, bettering your survival, bettering your relationships, bettering your relationship with yourself. And they're both doing it in their own unique way. And the the funny thing about the waking conscious is that it's got a big big obstacle in its way when it comes to doing what's best for you right and that obstacle is your ego the obstacle is the person who resides in the body and that says i look ugly today i don't want to go to school i don't want to do my homework i'm socially anxious I'm this and that, I'm all these things. Our ego, that is to say which the thing that we identify with, right? When I look in the mirror right now, I see my face, I can see my hair, I can see my blemishes and my the way my glasses make my eyes look distorted from certain angles and I'm like, ooh, that's not pleasant to look at. Those things are products of the ego and... The ego isn't necessarily always doing what's best for you. The ego follows whims. It's horribly ADHD. I mean, there's zero attention span with the ego. It just, it, it sees something, it grabs onto it, and it just holds on for dear life and gets pulled every which way in that. And that is what leads to, you know, self-destructive thoughts, self-destructive behavior, doing things that we know are bad for us, but not wanting to follow another path just because ah, I'm my own person. I have free will and I hate myself right now and I don't want to do this because that'll be good for me. So I'm going to do this because that's comfortable and that'll distract me from my pain, right? So that's the big burden that the waking conscious has to deal with ourselves in a sense. And I know that this is all like, what are you talking about, man? Like, I'm me, dude. Like, what, 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 ego? What do you mean? That's just, me. no. And I want to, I should have said this earlier, but, you know, I don't care. I want you, as you're listening to this, to kind of remove all of your worldviews. Just toss them out the window. Don't, maybe don't toss them out the window. Maybe just, like, put them in a box, lock it up just for now, right? Because you might not, like, I mean, it doesn't really matter. Me personally, my ego wants what I'm saying to be understood and to resonate to some extent. So I don't think that's possible given the fact that I'm aware that some of the things I will say are not familiar concepts or are a little like uncomfortable to deal with. Like the fact that the person you look at in the mirror is the one thing that's ruining your life, blah, blah, blah. Um, that was a little harsh. I'm going to take that one back. But what I mean is, 
consciousness is a loaded topic, and that is on the same kind of level as religious views and and spiritual views and things like that. So my own interpretation of how I see myself and how I see consciousness is definitely not the way it is. It's maybe it's not the way that you see things, um, but I think that sometimes I talk to people about these things and I feel like it can't go anywhere because maybe they haven't thought about it at all or totally disagree and whatnot. So I want to encourage you to be open-minded, you know, to maybe just, just for the, like, if you're going to listen to this, just so that you can get something out of it. Cause otherwise, like when I listen back to this, I'm going to, I always like try to see, Oh, am I making sense? Is this consumable to a person who maybe has never, you know, dealt with this subject matter before. And, you know, I, I don't want to limit myself too much based on that, but you know, just, just, just pretend like you're a baby. No, not a baby. Pretend like you're five years old and you believe everything your parents say. And I'm your parent and you're on a string of like, why? Well, well, why? Oh, we dream. Well, why do we dream? And then every answer I give, you're going to believe it a hundred percent. And I think that'll make it more fun. So I just wanted to say that. That was super long-winded, and I apologize, but I don't care because <laughs> I'm your parent. So consciousness, right? Consciousness, this is a quote. I didn't come up with this. <laughs> consciousness is simultaneously unique and universal. So what does that mean? Basically, you are your own person, and you have a very unique perspective, a unique set of experiences that no other person has ever experienced in the same way, right? So I like to think about that because I'm I'm I think about nihilistic stuff sometimes. You know, there's no meaning of life, nothing matters. However, the one thing I do know for sure is that no other person has had the same environment, same family, same friends, same experiences, and same reaction to those experiences as I have. And the same goes for you. Nobody else has ever experienced this tragically tragic life without <laughs> you're utterly unique that's what i'm trying to say but at the same time you are not unique because you are your uniqueness is made possible through something that everybody shares which is also really nice so you're both perfectly unique in that nobody else can understand the world in the way that you do but also the only reason you can understand the world is because you are a part of this collective consciousness where everyone has access to it and everyone can do with it what they please. You know, I'm a conscious human being. I can go rob a bank, kill a few people on my way, get a bunch of money, fly overseas to a tropical island and live out my days hiding from authority there. I have that ability to do because I'm a conscious person. On the other hand, I could dedicate my entire life, not make any money, spend all my time serving others, charity, building homes for people who don't have them, donating, doing all these things, and I'm a conscious person, and I could do that because I was conscious. And when you multiply that by billions and billions of people, you get all sorts of big pockets of, of people who use their consciousness similarly. You know, You get along with people who have a similar spark as you and, and, and their fire burns the same color as you. I don't know, I'm losing myself in the metaphors here. But collective conscious, it's a common idea 
it's not something a lot of people necessarily agree with. Um, for me, I was raised religiously. I was raised in the Christian faith, non-denominational Christian. I was taught to fear God and to fear God's wrath, but also to love him unconditionally because he is the sole determination of how good or badly my life plays out. And at the same time, I was supposed to fear God. I was supposed to love his son that he had and then killed for my sake, which if you ask me, that would be pretty scary. I wouldn't want to, I wouldn't want to mess with someone who'd kill his own son for a stranger. Um, and I apologize if that's disrespectful, but I can say it because I went through it and I didn't choose to. However, the point of me saying that is that I have never known life as a grown person without some sort of higher power being a part of it. And that certainly contributes to my current worldview, which is not religious in any way. It's spiritual, man. Spiritual vibes and, like, good vibes and, like, positive energy and, like, karma, dude. Like, you know, that. But it's more powerful in my mind now like I've never been so at disagreement I phrase that horribly I've never disagreed more with the establishment of religion than I do now but I've never felt certain that a god is real than I do now and maybe that makes sense to you maybe it doesn't but to me god is no longer a person or, or god is no longer emulative of a person. He doesn't have jealousy and wrath and all these very human characteristics. Because if God created everything, why the hell would he decide to look like an old dude with white hair? I mean, that's what we decided he looks like. But still, people like sign on to that and they're like, yeah, the big man upstairs. It's like, all right, I don't know why I'm talking about this, but I'm, I can't stop myself. Okay, it just happens, right? But Okay. Um, God, where was I going with that? I just said God. Oh, yeah. God. God. God is real. But God is not... Does, but you don't, he's, he is not God. There's no he. There's no she. God just is. God is, is the feeling you get when you look into the eyes of someone you care about. Or the feeling you get when you hug someone you haven't seen in a while. Or the feeling you get... When you go out in the middle of nowhere, nature, maybe you're with an animal, maybe you're by yourself and you like hear birds and things are flying around and it's maybe it's drizzling a little bit and you're like, dude, how the hell does all this work? How does it do it? How does a bird know that eventually I'll have to jump off of this tree and hope that my wings work? How does a freaking a freaking hippopotamus look like that, dude? A hippopotamus? Like, well, look at that thing. What is that? What is that? That's so weird. And it's like arguably more badass than an alligator, which is also crazy because it's like kind of a lizard. It's kind of a, a, the shark of the rivers, as I say. And then you got friggin' whale sharks, which are humongo, and they're, they're cool with people. But don't mess around with a regular shark because they're not cool with people. And just the sheer vastness of nature is so god damn unbelievable man and if you think that it all just ah, you know just happened 
that's cool. But it, it didn't just happen because something made it happen. And that something doesn't have to be an MCU character who is going to, you know, show up one day and then superheroes are going to have to save us from him. No, like there's no, there's no body of God. God is just pervasive everywhere, right? And, and it informs love. Like, why do we love things? Why is love a motivating factor? And, and it's separate from lust. It's separate from reproduction. We want to love and we want to be loved. And, and the things we do are either a result of having a lot of love or not having enough. And, and people lash out when they don't get love. They lash out when their basic needs aren't met. And then when they, when they are, when people are affluent, then they get the chance to give to others and to share. And, and you share. It's just crazy, dude. It's like, why do we do that? Why do we do all these things? We are on a big spinning rock and nothing matters. Literally nothing. You can pray to God as much as you want, but you're not going to get go on some elevator of light like an alien abduction up to heaven where the world is somehow better. No, heaven is here everywhere, and the way you can access it is by shedding yourself of all these horrible, horrible... I'm being a little aggressive now, but basically religion is a long, 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 long generation of people being told what to do by the person before them and then saying, yeah, this is cool. And then telling the next person that this is how they should do it too. And so you lose like any sort of wonder and essence and, and appreciation for the world around you and, and the people and the uniqueness of people. You, instead, you're like, you don't fit into this box that God told me to build and, and trap myself in and trap my family in and make my kids feel like they can't express themselves because it doesn't align with what Jesus said in the Bible, even though Jesus said, love everyone unconditionally as if you're yourself. So there's just all these things that people attribute to God and people have horrible, like people will say, I hate religion. I hate Christianity. I hate this and that. I don't. Let me make that clear. I don't. I see a very, a very huge value in religion. And I think that it's easy to say that religion is also a fundamental human trait. Like there's no such thing as humanity without dreaming up some higher power because we're beings with no conceivable purpose. So it's completely natural for us to try to create one. And, and that is what it is to be conscious. Like, and I, I still haven't talked about dreaming. But I think this is important. I think this is an important, like, warm-up. To, to say, I, uh, an important warm-up. Because from the way I view dreaming, like, all of this stuff, it's informed by all of this stuff that I just said, right? Whether it made sense or not, whether you're told... I, I forgot this was an episode about dreaming, I will be honest. I was like, wait, why am I talking about religion? But... All these things informed my current understanding of dreaming. All right, that's it. I, I closed the book. I remembered where I was going with this. And the reason I said all that is because when I, when I make these podcasts and when I talk to myself for an hour and a half, I am really, really worried. And it shouldn't be a worry, but it is. I'm worried that I won't be able to communicate how much 
something amazes me without giving the same kind of background that informs my opinion on it. So like I could sit here and I could say, yeah, dreaming is really cool because, you know, um, you can live infinite lifetimes and maybe not, but you're inhabiting a space with absolutely zero rules, which is something that's even hard to consider right now as I'm sitting awake because I have to abide by gravity and I have to abide by like the law of the geographical region that I live in and all these rules. And like, you know, I can only say so many bad things to my family before they would like disown me. But when you're dreaming, there's literally no such thing as as social norms, religious, cultural values. Like they certainly inform your dreams, but there is such a liberating aspect of dreams that is so profound and it's so pervasive in all of our lives like we all have access to it and we all experience it every single night but but i'm as i'm like as i talk i'm like making myself giddy and it's we we don't appreciate it for what it is and i do have a theory as to why that is and i will get to that eventually i hope if i don't forget um but dreaming as a concept is just in my opinion, so overlooked, like you go, like for me, what did I do today? I went to a class. I had a 50 minute class and I had to commute 30 minutes total just for that 50 minute class. And what did I learn? Nothing. What did I do beforehand? Showered, got ready, brushed my teeth, put on clothes, made made sure I looked nice, looked in the mirror, ate breakfast, did all these things. And like, what was it for? Nothing. A 50 minute class. Did I talk to anyone? No. Did I do anything exciting and super out of the ordinary. I went to some some noodle shop and got some hand-pulled noodles and they were delicious and I am terrible at eating with chopsticks. But I didn't really do anything like crazy and I'm going to I'm going to do the rest of my day. I'm going to have a two and a half hour class later and I'm going to go to sleep and odds are that I won't be like sitting in my bed like just smiling with joy at how amazing my life is cuz I just had such a wonderful day. No, I'll probably be pretty like, you know, so-so. I mean, it's not a bad day, but nothing about this day has been or is expected to be wonderful, you know, amazing. But I have the ability to make sure that my evening, the seven to eight hours that I spend asleep, I have the ability to do whatever I want. And that's, let me rephrase that. I don't have the ability to do whatever I want because that would mean that I'm lucid dreaming. And that's a whole nother topic too. We'll see if we get to that in this, but probably not. I will go to sleep and I will have an entirely unique set of experiences with entirely unique settings, characters, faces, interactions, things. Like everything will be brand new and I won't have any say in the matter. And it'll happen and I'll wake up, and maybe I'll remember fragments of it, but it'll happen, and it'll happen to you too. Whatever day you're having today, you are going to go to bed tonight, and you will have dreams, and the only distinction is whether you go into it knowing that you're going to have dreams, get excited for the dreams, and then when you wake up, try to think about your dreams, but most of us, including myself, just wake up, and then you're waking conscious takes over right away and it starts bombarding you with all these things like what do I got to do today oh shit I'm awake now I have to do things I don't want to do things um you know you know so 
dreaming is just it, it's it's kind of like it's kind of like is that real like is that a real thing when you really think about it you're like wow and then it kind of you gotta be careful because right now as I'm thinking about it, I'm like well that's a bit depressing because maybe I'll never ever be able to fully access the full potential of dreaming which as has been done peop- there are people who train themselves or use tricks or devices to lucid dream and those people can quite literally do whatever their heart and mind desires as long as they want. Like you can live for three months in a dream in one night. You could have three months of life and then wake up and then it's Tuesday. And that is just this, to me, that's this huge element, massive element of being a human being and being alive that is neglected. And by acknowledging that element, even if it's just right now and then you forget about it, by acknowledging it slowly but surely, whether it's once a month, once every six months, you have a very dark dream and you're like, holy moly, I forgot that dreams can do that to me, you know? And you can kind of slowly but surely remember your dreams better, remember the dual life you're living and just get so much more satisfaction out of being you because you get to realize and then internalize that being you is not just limited to being you awake and you awake is not in it alone and you're not dealing with the things that you're dealing with by yourself even if it seems like you are you're not because there's a part of you that is always looking out for you and and bringing you on these fantastical adventures and I think a simple way to access that more often and more fully is to just be aware of it and to pay a little bit more attention to it because if the status quo is dreading going to sleep because it's boring and then wake dreading waking up because it's too hard then there's a big big gap in that eight however many hours of life that you're missing and that you don't have to be missing so that's why i talked about god and religion and consciousness because there's a lot of big big what ifs hows and questions about our daily life what did i just describe this whole episode so far has been me talking about the six to nine hours, hopefully, that you spend asleep every night, every single night. And the sheer vastness of untapped potential, knowledge, experience that is sitting there for the taking every single night. Hey, it's the post-edit version of myself. So this is where the first half is going to end, partially because it's a perfect halfway point, also because the second half has a jarring shift in audio quality because I am quite an amateur. So this is going to be the end of part one. I hope you enjoyed. I promise I will eventually make a point at the end. Um, Thanks for listening. And... Do tune into part two. 
You won't want to miss it. That's where the good stuff is. That's where it gets a little spicy. I promise. Thank you.